Dorktales presents Call of the Netherdeep. Hello and welcome to the How to Run Chapter 1 episode of Call of the Netherdeep here on Dorktales. I'm your Dungeon Master Kelly. Are you seeing him? And I'm excited to be here because we get to break down Chapter 1 for you right now. Uh, we are actually on vacation right now, so this episode was pre-filmed. Uh, but we should be in the chat over wherever if you're on Twitch. And we're always answering comments on YouTube, so leave them below. Uh, so without uh, taking up any more time, I'm going to pass it around the circle just to introduce ourselves real quick. And then we'll get into talking about Episode 1. How's everybody doing today? Good. Cool. Pretty good. Tired, but yay. <laughs> All right. Look, there was much rejoicing. Yeah. Let's, let's go in reverse order today and start with Caitlin. Hello, I'm Caitlin. I use she, her pronouns. And generally, I play Zarya Rain, the tiefling cleric of the Raven Queen. Nice. All right. Over to Chris. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Chris. I play, uh, I use he, him pronouns, or they, and um, I'm playing uh, Dorlin Wildrock, the uh, eccentric uh armor artificer it is no. it is early in the morning when we are recording this so we're a little sleepy <laughs> i am very sleepy um all right good to have you there chris let's pass up to krista hello i'm krista i use she her or they them pronouns uh and i place to be in a morden uh the lotus den beastmaster ranger uh and uh with her friend dax the moorbounder who is played by a little bit of everybody. All right. Uh, exactly. Who is a communal PC. <laughs> a CPC. I like that. We should, we should a TM CPC? that. TM, 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 TM. TM, TM, trademark. I was just TM, thinking TM, TM. CQC, CQC. Use your CQC snake. Um, we could have a snake, a CPC, CQC snake. Anyway. Uh, hi, Robin. Hi. Hello, everyone. I'm Robin. I use she, her, or they, them pronouns. And uh, you can usually find me playing at Keiko Scar, our Goliath bard. Nice. All right. So in this episode, we're going to talk about chapter one of Call of the Netherdeep and kind of uh, just Call of the Netherdeep in general. This will contain spoilers for chapter one. So if you're playing the game and don't want to be spoiled, uh, just be sure to like, subscribe, smash bells, and click on all of our advertisements and then leave. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely stick around if you're fine with that. We're not going to have spoilers for anything beyond um, chapter one and maybe like the first page of chapter two that just says where you're headed uh, after that. But uh, all my players are playing this game. They don't want to be spoiled and I don't want to spoil them and I don't want to spoil you for anything I haven't warned you about. So um, with that said, um, how are you guys enjoying the module so far? I think, I think that's the most important question I could ask. I, I'm loving it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's um. I'm I'm finding it a lot of, a lot of fun. Um. I, I liked it was similar to the, the witchlight game where it kind of had this, kind of, relaxing, like you know, f easing into it where we got a lot of like RP between us as players and you playing um npcs and our dmpc valis where it kind of had a really nice opportunity to get the vibe of how we might all play together um so i really liked that where it was these like challenges and just opportunity to really mm. kind of start developing the relationships we have uh, between us as players because it's always yeah. it's always new going into like a game you don't necessarily know like we we talk and we do our session zeros and we talk about how our players our characters might be and how they interact but until you actually start playing you don't really like actually yeah. get to know so it's fun getting into that 
Yeah, especially in such a low stakes environment. It's nice to just be, just exist. Mm -hmm. What about what about you two? What about Caitlin and Chris? What do you what do you think of it so far? I I, I've been having an absolute blast. It's uh, been uh, it's been great to uh, uh, to game with y'all, and uh, like I, I I really enjoyed it. I loved the interaction between uh, the PCs, uh, the NPCs, and uh, just like even just sitting back and watching those when like not being involved or creating a little bit of chaos. Um, it's been uh, it's been um, it's been great. Uh, I've been having an absolute great time with it, uh, and really enjoyed it. Nice. What about what about you, Caitlin? Well, it's been really nice to get to know the NPCs in like a not as stressful environment. Because yeah, we're competing against them, but we're, you know, it's a, like a friendly competition. And then we kind of like hung out with them afterwards just to kind of see how they were as characters, like how in the game they were mm -hmm. as people, essentially. Um, yeah, and I, I don't, it's been really fun. I really it's like this like kind of. Yeah, like they said, easing into it. Mm -hmm. It's like making yeah. friends at like an elementary school track meet where you like meet people yeah. from other schools and you're supposed to be competing, but they're really cool and people wow, and you really have some yeah, right? <laughs> most most of our viewers are nerds. Can you can you use a big different metaphor? Maybe a science camp? That's what I, hey, okay, yes. I'm here. Science fair. Science <laughs> yes, fair. A science fair. Yeah, there you go. I did I, those two. I joking. did those two as well. <laughs> I actually went to UVic at like grade seven for like a regional science fair thing. It was great. I did the UBC Aww. one. Nice. nice. We, if we had been better, we would have met at the, the professionals. <laughs> and defeated each other. It would have been a Pokemon duel. Um, oh my gosh. So I think that it's it's pretty interesting. Now, I, I want to ask you, because like when I started reading the module, I said, oh, this is kind of like Witchlight. And you know they were in development at the same time, so there's no way that they like one cribbed the other or anything like that. But for three of you are in Wild Beyond the Witchlight, um, because people are going to ask, which had the better introduction? Do you think Netherdeep or Witchlight? Um... I, I have I, an opinion, but I want to hear yeah. you guys. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. think I liked Witchlights a bit better, um, just because it seemed like there was not stakes to the games, but it's like there was kind of a a more of a storyline that happened within the area where the games were played, mm -hmm. and we actually had secondary tasks to do at the same time because we were like, oh, let's play this game, but also we need to talk to this person, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Netherdeep, it's it was just purely just kind of like fun to win the medal and then to you know, yeah. which also I guess with the games was part of the Witchlight thing too, right? Because you try to spread joy and stuff like that. Not going too spoilery, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, no, no real spoilers <laughs> for Witchlight there. You, you're at a carnival. So Robin, did you have an opinion? You play games. Um, on my opinion, I think I. I agree with Caitlin. I think I liked the carnival, like the witchlight campaign, the best, um, purely because it was such a big part, um, and it like it seemed like there's a lot more world building in in the witchlight carnival. Like it just it in my mind, and I guess maybe the the map that they provided on roll 20 it it seemed more solid in my head versus uh yeah. nether deep was a bit more 
because Jigao is just a city map. Now, we didn't really display that on, on screen because it, it was just a city map. There was no real reason. In which light we displayed it. And it was basically like, like, an, like a theme park map. Like you would see it like Disneyland mm -hmm. or something like that. So it has a lot more character. Like things are shaped weird. And in Jigao, it's like, oh, there's some, there's some water here. Yeah, so I like I liked the witch light personally myself because it just and and the NPCs like the ones like at each place seemed really I don't know it just it it was very whimsical I found witch light versus Nether Deep was a bit more what I would say is like standard D and D yeah. kind of thing so I I liked the whimsy of witch light I know that's what I'm really enjoying about that campaign is it's, it has that more whimsical aspect to it but I I enjoyed nether deep uh, I just I like I liked the witch light intro better okay and Krista let's hear your 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 vaunted opinion I'm curious I'm gonna go against the other two mm. um I actually liked nether deep a little bit better as an introduction mm -hmm. because it was because it was more laid back like okay. the the time frame you get in which light like you have to do like you almost have to pick, i don't think we really did i think we we fudged the time a little bit but i think the idea is like the, you're the, not the trick supposed... is you're allowed to in that module it's great yeah so so i think it felt a little more like oh god we have to get everything done which definitely felt a lot more like me personally i focused more on the tasks and not on figuring mm. out who isaac was whereas in this I like there wasn't there wasn't stakes and so i got to just kind of like i learned so many more things about sabina in this festival than i learned about isaac in the carnival okay that's interesting so yeah. I, I have a couple of questions so we have a bunch of questions that that viewers have submitted on youtube and in our discord um but i want to ask you right off the bat who's your favorite rival just shout it out let's hear it I love Maggie. Okay, one for Maggie. Oh right. man, Dermot Dermot is also like, like up there. Um, I I haven't interacted with him. I, I'd love to see him more talk. I, I love the 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 shy kind of nice person. I feel like oh, I I, I like him a lot. But Maggie is just so wholesome. Like yeah. you can't <laughs> you can't not like. Yeah, I think I also I I vote for Maggie just because of Keiko and Maggie's interaction. I at that point hadn't clicked into the rivals thing. So when you introduced Maggie as an NPC, I literally thought you came up with this off the top of your cuff, Kelly. And it does seem I like a that. character I'd make up. So I can yeah, it does, and, and and that that's it's um, it's an ogre. A, a, a praise to you <laughs> as and your ability to create NPCs is that I thought that this character that you. I, I didn't know. So I was just loving this just random interaction with Maggie. I thought, honestly, I thought it was going to be the um, the current champion was going to be my the rival if it was anything in my head. So Maggie came out of nowhere. And it was just, again, Keiko and Maggie being so wholesome to each other. I just, that's what made my interaction with Maggie so, like, precious. Maggie was a real surprise because like if you look at the cover of Call of the Netherdeep and you notice that the rivals are all right there, if you had to yep. pick one of the rivals around there <laughs> to be like, oh, I can't, I don't want to run this one, it would be the big dumb looking ogre, wouldn't it? You'd be like, this guy, this, this, this dude is going to be a jerk. And it's like, actually, it's a very well-spoken, smart female who really just wants to like, read books and, and write poetry. And I'm like, what? What yeah. am I going to do with this? And then it just kind of, it, 
it it's one of those weird things what, what about you caitlin chris what do you or caitlin and krista oh my gosh um i also really like maggie but i also really like dermot really? so i'll probably go dermot, dermot. yeah i don't know okay. he's really he's also really wholesome in a different way like he's always got your back too it's always just like he's always got your back yeah feel yeah. touch hands <laughs> <laughs> oh exactly. yeah all right chris did that change your, your um, person right there so, so i think my favorite interaction has been maggie well mm. maggie because of like sabina and maggie got that cute little like walk and poetry thing i mm. thought that was very very sweet um i'm gonna say galsariad oh my god I, my next question was who is your least favorite rival and why is it galsariad and you <laughs> See, just threw I'm... I didn't even write <laughs> down his name because I was like, no one's going to like him. So I like him because, yes, he has this like hard exterior and he's a bit of a dink, but his interaction with Dax was very sweet and very cute. And Sabina, now that they're traveling together, has a little bit of a goal in her heart to be part of his heart. <laughs> like, nice. Yeah. She wants to befriend him because it's not like she's very wise but she is not smart by any means and he's so smart and she wants to like learn that from him nice. and so i personally really like galsariad as a character yeah that's that that's who you're gonna marry that's sabine is gonna marry galsariad <laughs> and then they'll both die after pledging themselves to the luxon and be reborn as there you go. something else there we go as Maggie's okay that's that's interesting because like nobody voted Irvin and I love Io like Io is my favorite because I just get to say whatever's yes. on my mind at any time playing her be like you suck let's grab beer it, it's, yeah. it's you know honestly like I, I I do think like all of them have um one they're, they're all very very different so yeah. um like kudos on you for like pulling that off like it, it's if you didn't even do any voices like just the manner of the way that you're speaking uh i mm -hmm. i think it's very clear who which one of them you're you're doing uh but yeah. uh, they all have something that's like really interesting and likable of them that like motivates you to try and kind of want to get to know them better um and you ask like who the least favorite is and like i galsara a dick like he comes across as a dick but he's still interesting no. So it's it's hard to say that there is a a, a least favorite um, Maggie Maggie and Dermont for me. I just love how wholesome they are, and like and as Caitlin put it in like a different way. But I I love Urban like just yes. his Urban like, like Chad Urban 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 Urban. 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 Um, and uh, I Io's just been an absolute blast as well. And uh, Galsariad, I think like just kind of like tempers them a little bit and adds that like uh, that. Um, it, they're they're all great um at least the way that you are portraying them and i, yeah, I love them it's it's hard i don't think mm -hmm. i could pick a least favorite like they're like picking a favorite was hard enough already <laughs> that's fair and and on that front so one of the questions that we've gotten the most is actually uh, i would say like half of the questions that we've got out of like the the 20 i have here are some variation of this so like uh, this is one from brixen uh not hating just curious but why not just drop one of the rivals from the team when the party isn't large enough I'm a new DM thinking about running this with a smaller party, so I'm, I'm asking. Uh, Greg asks, planning to run this with friends. Book states it's meant for five players. However, we only have three, three at the time. Planning on putting a sidekick in for them. Uh, should I do this or shrink the party? And, and like, we constantly get these questions that are like, oh, should why just shrink the party instead? And it's like, well, which one do you cut? Like, do you cut yeah. Maggie? Because then 
you don't have that heart core do you cut urban because then you don't have that human presence that like you need that aggressive chad energy like do i think you... maybe for the group of three it might that would maybe be the suggestion and then maybe like picking mm -hmm. parts of the two that you cut and putting them into other characters because i think you could take maggie I, I and would make dermot doing... and mash them together yeah yeah because I'll admit if you're if you're DMing and you only have three players and you're gonna DMPC two players, yeah. that's a lot of work on the DM's part. So I would say for like a, if you have three people, you might want to think about giving them the sidekick and yeah, maybe blending Maggie and Dermot together Absolutely. and making and Io Morgan. and Urban. Io and Urban could probably combine as well. Yeah, but you need yeah. you need Io as the leader. Yes, mm -hmm. you need yeah. that driving force. See, I would I would say take who are in your party mm. and like take those characters and either keep whoever is closest to them so that they are a yeah. pair Opposed, or yeah. pick mm. the one that's the most different as their rival depending on how you want it to try and develop if, it if yeah. You, yeah if you expect your team to play them like we did and make friends maybe make <laughs> like identicals but if you're planning to make them rivals like make them rivals make them foils for one another where like yeah if you end up fighting each other you're gonna do the most damage to one another mm -hmm. I, uh, I i definitely see how um it could be really difficult to, especially in the uh, three um trying to just cover for extra um npcs uh, it it does like uh, seem like there's quite a lot that are very different um, already, and as a newer DM, I could see that being uh, a little overwhelming. Um, mm -hmm. That Absolutely. being said, I, I I think I was actually more leaning towards like like either cutting one of the NPCs or like not even adding an extra NPC on mm. uh, on our game in during the session mm. zero uh, personally, but. Uh, I love them all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like I can't imagine this game going anywhere different with anyone, any one of them not being in it. Yeah, it's it's really good that way. I think to to keep them all in and to 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 kind of balance them out. And like what you can do is is like like was said, you can add a sidekick or you can add a DMPC. Because another question we get is, well, why did you add an NPC or a DMPC guide or something like that? Um, just curious as to the thought process. And that's a question from Pop of Luke. And um, my, my thought about it was I needed to balance it out, but I also didn't want them to have a distinct advantage. And I could have counted Dax as a character as well, like as a full character, like that could have worked just fine. Uh, and if you're running a game that has like a sidekick animal, that is an intelligent animal who like Dax is treated as having like an IQ of like, or, you know, an int score of like eight to 10, something like that. Right. Like he's not. So dumb. he's, he's yeah. smarter than Keiko. Yeah. Or he's, he's as smart as your dumbest character. Right. Um, so um, like that can work just fine. I, I think that adding an extra NPC, like a DM NPC, if you have the room for it and you have the, this like the story place for it um it allows you to fill out narrative narrative weight inside of your party that may not um normally be filled like if there's a type of personality that is not present right um so we don't really have like the quiet brooder what we have is we have uh the hyperactive like explodey boy we have um we have den mom 
We have little, well, den mom in training, basically. We've got we've got uh, party girl with an axe, and then we've got party girl with horns. So we don't really have. And I really want to say that I really love all of the players so far, uh, and the, and their characters. Um, but I love all the characters so far because it's a very interesting dynamic from a lot of you. Like getting Robin um, to play that kind of like boisterous, like Barty sex bomb is really cool and watching Krista really like like roll around in her soft side and Chris go insane um as this little button pushing sociopath <laughs> no that's the wrong word um but miscreant at the Hi- very pyro least. absolute pyromaniac yeah. the word that keeps popping yeah. in my mind is from those like scottish tweets uh, and it's repro- reprobate because he's a little reprobate, right? Um, and then um, seeing Caitlin play that one up. a vastly different character than she has recently, but it's really working, Caitlin. Like she is so flirty and so Percy-ish in a way. Like I see what you're going there. You're like, <laughs> I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so it's it's been officially confirmed. Dax is smarter than Keiko. Dax, is... Dax has an intel by the book by the beast of the land stats he has an intelligence of eight God, oh and God. Keiko has an int of seven <laughs> so um but the reason my my honest reasoning for adding a DM NPC is to balance things out to um you can also use that to be able to funnel information and things to the players if they need it uh so like you know choosing a drow was was the choice to have someone who is quite old older than the party for the most part. Um, Because I assume that the Dorland's pretty old, probably, but probably not very life experienced because he spent most of his youth working, right? So he hasn't yeah, really... I think he's, I think he's actually about uh, 130, 140. So, so having but, like but... a couple hundred year old elf who's actually traveled and done stuff allows me to have an Obi Wan Kenobi in the party. Yeah, no, and that's uh, that's great. Um, I like. Ballas is awesome. <laughs> like, like I said, I, I include him in the NPCs that I couldn't imagine this mm-hmm. game being quite uh, like. I I don't think it would be more fun if any of them were missing for me personally. Um, though I do want to like reiterate again, especially as a new DM, having mm-hmm. all those NPCs and possibly two more might be a lot to handle. Absolutely, uh, for somebody who hasn't done it for a while. So it's uh, that's a tricky question. I don't think there's a right answer for it. Uh, well, they could always keep the rival party as is and have the rival party. It, it honestly depends on the tone you're going for. If you want the rival party to act like condescending jerks, having a smaller party would allow them to kind of be like, oh, we're going easy on you guys because there's only three of you. Ooh, 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 right? I don't know why I went ooh, ooh with that, but um, you know, like they could be condescending about that. They could also, you could also play up the friendliness where they are good sportsmen in that, where they're like, well, there's less of you. So like, whatever, you guys can go first. Good luck. You know, we'll give you a 30 second lead on the Emerald Grotto. Yeah. Um, or I mean, maybe take one of the rivals and put them on your team and then ooh. you're four and four. Yeah, because there are there are some schisms in their group that you could exploit. All you have to do is just look at their write-ups and round up a bit and be like, oh, well, maybe they had a fight. You know, maybe maybe Irvin doesn't want to be second fiddle anymore and wants to strike out on his own, and you guys got the gem, <laughs> so he wants to go with you. Or maybe Io does, but you know, the rest just want to stay there. And so there's there's a lot you can do with that. Um, that's a fantastic idea. That is yeah, absolutely that's really fantastic good idea. Yeah, because then you. I- 
you have a pre-built one and the way that yeah. they do the npcs is that they give them um three three phases basically so like you use them at, you use this challenge rating of them until a certain level then you use this challenge rating and their powers level up so it's like it's actually they've they've dumbed the rules down for them very well like gasariad only has a couple of spells like i don't have like dozens of spells i just have like Gravity Bolt, and then Tensor's Floating Disc, I gave him because I realized that I had Maggie holding the two light characters, and I was like, well, can't rewind this scene. <laughs> I guess he had a wand or a scroll or something that he felt like using a 300 gold scroll. I don't know. That was a mistake, but he called me on it. Um, Caitlin, what were you going to say? No, no, Oh, nothing. I thought you were saying Sorry. Um, so real quick though, on the, the thing about DMPCs, um, someone asked a question about them. Um, did you want the thought process? Um, the DMPCs, how to make a good DMPC was a question from Kiam on our discord. Um, the way to make a good DMPC in my, um, in my experience is that you never have them do something that another player can do. You never give them a kill, like a big kill. If you can help it, uh, but you always have the mon like if the monster has like ten hit points and they do fifteen hit points damage. Oh, they only did nine, right? You let you let another player take that kill. They're there for support. Um, they're there to be tactically advantageous. So like Valas does a lot of things like distract or guarantee advantage, um, or do a big hit to draw attention and then tank. Um, you um you also want to make it so that they are not talking over the players constantly like they are there to support um so if you are good enough to come up with like one-liners and quips and things like that have them be the sarcastic friend in the background that occasionally is like yo this is gonna get us killed like type of thing right but use it to up the drama suspense and to like build like relationships but don't steal anybody's role make sure that if you've got like the inventor i don't throw an artificer in and the I, that was one of the reasons why when we were talking about it and I was kind of hemming and hawing is that I realized looking at some of the spells that you guys picked, having something like a monk would, that would be a little too much like frontline combat, which could be good, but that would also kind of, it didn't feel quite right to me. And the abjurer was too, had too many skill specialties or skills that were the same as Dorlin, where I was like, mm, I don't know if I want more protection in this party we have an armor we have a cleric we have a lot of buffs from the bard like it just seems like it might be a little much but having a fighter to go absorb some damage up front yeah that seems pretty good and then i started coming up with his backstory and i'm like oh i can use this to leverage the shit out of drama uh if you couldn't tell that it's something's coming it's coming what is the um uh if you want to say but what is his subclass you will find out okay 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 uh, cool. the the other thing that i strongly recommend if anybody ever makes a dmpc do okay there's a term that i like to use called spotlighting where you try to make sure that every character gets a spotlight moment once an episode you don't tell them this you don't it's not something that um you 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 really verbalize but what you do is you try to make sure that everybody gets their spot in the light once an episode at the very least you know, you focus on them for even if it's just like a five minute conversation or a walk with Maggie or something like that. You make sure that everybody gets a cool moment because that's why we're playing this game is to feel cool and have fun. Your DMPC is exempt from this. They should not get a spotlight moment unless it's crucial and does not detract from anybody else. So this includes things like 
if I were to reveal that the, the NPC has like a really cool backstory, unless the players bite, that backstory does not matter. You have to be willing to just bury it and be like, yes, my dark and tragic past. Yeah, that's nice, bud. We, we got to go buy some apples for the thing we're making. Well, and I think you did that really well with Valis of like giving him that, like he's been to Bazazan? Bazazan. 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 I like Bazazan way better. Bazazan. 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 Away. Exactly. Xanadu. Oh, God. Now I'm thinking of Sean Connery. Look it up. Anywho. So, yes. The, um, like, having him have, like, you know, be guarded, but, like, he's doing a character thing of like, this is my dark and tragic backstory, but it gives us information. So yeah, he gets his little moment, but it's in benefit to the players. Yeah. And um, you should always do that. Like the player, if you are doing something um, that is like a self aggrandizing, because honestly, like it's your entire world, like you're in the spotlight full time as a DM. So there's a lot less, a lot less pushing and pulling to try to get yourself to feel cool if you're doing it right. Cause you're already doing most of the talking, right? Like, or at least equal amounts of talking to the players. Um, so the whole, one of the biggest perils of a DMPC is making the self insert cool character. There are so many Reddit posts. There are so many horror stories about people who like, ah, my character is the chosen one and I'm running the game because no one will run for me. And let me play this character because he's OP and I created all of these spells and stuff. Um, if you are going to to do that, um, I I don't want to put myself on a pedestal, but I think one of the best examples of that is an episode of our Shards of Nern campaign, our homebrew, um, when uh, this is like, you know what episode I'm talking about immediately, Robin. I'm talking about Farah in the chamber. And I'm like, Farah's like my, my DMP PC is going to do something really cool. And I warned everybody at the beginning of this episode, I'm like, I have a spotlight moment for the NPC. I'm sorry in advance, but I have to do this for myself. <laughs> right? So I think that if well, you're... Well, and being honest about that is fine, right? Like once in a while, like, yeah, sure. Have your moment. Well, like, she, like she you've been playing it. this character as... Yeah. She's she's the DMPC. Like it, this this character has become a like a player but by you yes mm -hmm. you're running the campaign you can kind of have a foresight to give her this moment but you also give that foresight to other people you give that mm -hmm. opportunity so having a once in a while yeah i'm gonna have it's like once a Farrah season do this f fucking badass thing yeah that's totally acceptable it's not like you're constantly hogging going i'm going to get all of the good stuff for Farah, and none of you guys get anything like you don't do that that's true that's the thing it's not at the expense of the players and quite often mm -hmm. when people uh do that and the mistake that uh you see uh people make and talk about all the time when you look mm -hmm. at it it's really it's uh the dm like doing it at the expense of the players like fun and, and but you still have to have fun too like mm -hmm. everyone needs to have fun at the game uh, at the table and uh mm -hmm. you know it's um uh, and it's not at the expense of um like uh the for whatever reason the players are the protagonists the, the spotlight absolutely. is generally on them and but uh, like you don't want to be taking that away from them constantly right yeah exactly and if you're using well, I... sorry go ahead krista 
I was gonna say, and and really, like, if especially in the case of someone like Farah that's been there this whole time, it, it's like, okay, well, you know what? They need to have some cool moments. Otherwise, mm-hmm. why are they with your party? That's true. Exactly. And, 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 and this one was specifically used. And if you use a DMPC, try to do this. Try to give them a way to um, explore parts of the world that you don't have a good narrative reason to to fold in. Because I use this as like she's a, a humanoid dragon, like she's a drag. It's a thing. Um, go watch the show. Um, and I use that to show that oh yeah, dragons have more magical reserves than normal people. They're they're bigger and scarier. She's like a little baby, um, but she can cast a ninth level spell if she needs to. Um, it damn near kills her, but she can do it. And that's a whole like oh yeah, well you you know dragons can do things that are beyond you know human comprehension, and. Um, which is really good because we're kind of going into this big place where a bunch of dragons are uh, uh, doing bad things. It's about to be a dragon war from the looks of it. So it's kind of like a way to like explore the world. So if you're using a DMPC, try to limit what they take. Try to make them be givers. Um, and also just make sure the players like them. If the players don't like them, have your DMPC retire. And be honest, like the second you guys think that Valus is boring, he's going to slip in the shower. <laughs> Oh, 400 years of life <laughs> oh no because... it would be a little bit more dramatic than that <laughs> okay fine he slips in the bath there we go yeah it's a clawfoot that tub. hurts it's a clawfoot tub. and it was built by a high elf for the express purpose of killing drow no it was... yeah. okay. so anyway that's my that's my my rant about dmpcs um so here are some fun ones that i want to get in and get your opinions on um, so which rival would you remove? Uh, I mean, like Dermot or Irvin potentially, uh, but I probably Dermot because I tell you what, if you are going to remove somebody, remove Dermot or Maggie from the party. If you want the party to become more evil, uh, remove anybody, but Dermot or Maggie, if you want the party to go more good, that's, mm. that's. Because, like, each one of them adds to tone. Dermot is level-headedness. Maggie is kindness. Uh, Irvin is adventure and carelessness. Io is dr- ambition and drive. And Galsaliard is... Which I'll never pronounce his name right. Um, is uh, So, Galley is um, uh, Raceland Majer. So, whatever you need. Um, oh, 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 wow. Yeah, he is. He's he's basically like <laughs> he's like chaotic good Raceland Majer or something like that. Um, so there are a lot of things in chapter one that you have to set up. So like running these these little festival games, try to milk as much out of out of Jigao as you can, in terms of like the flavor of the place being like this chaotic shanty town built by goblins and orcs. Um, but the relationship you're building up with the rivals is really big. So, uh, some questions that we had. How do you keep the relationship with the rivals? This is from Norik Weiss, I believe it's pronounced. Uh, with the rivals in a place where the players like them enough to not try to kill them, while making them antagonistic enough to keep the party from permanently joining up with them. Well, I failed that one, because the party oh. has joined up with them. Uh, oh yes, very much. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what will happen in the future? The I, I, exactly. would rem- I would remind you all that to treat relationships like you did in middle school, where you can be best friends with someone one week and enemies the next. Because just because my party is traveling with them and friends with them doesn't mean they're not going to have a falling out. Or we might have one of them join the party. Who knows? 
I would be entirely fine with one of the Dorktales team members, um, like costuming up as Maggie every week. <laughs> so <laughs> much fun! Yes. But like, I mean, that would well, be a new project. Griselda actually is just Urban. Like, just put a white, a blonde wig on him, and that's. Uh, I'm so tired and drunk. That's his character. You can do that. You can do that so easy. No, Traz, we don't think you're an alcoholic. No, but I think you play tired drunks really well. He, he plays tired drunks very well, yes. So, uh, I, Yeah, I would, um, I mean, really, at the end of the day, you're in charge of it. So, like, even if you make them super best friends, you can have some reason of, like, well, we can't go with you because we've been paid to go do this other job, but maybe we'll meet up with you in this thing. And then they show up later and, oh, yeah, mm. our job ended up being thing that is the same thing you did we just didn't know right like there's there's all sorts of weird one-liner narrative reasons they do in movies all the time you get one line mm -hmm. that's like oh that's why that's the thing okay cool and it just hand waves everything yeah absolutely absolutely anybody else have anything on this one something, something that good. uh uh that i was kind of thinking oh no i thought i thought uh caitlin or robin were about to speak so that's yeah, okay. uh, um so i uh something i also want to and I'm actually really personally looking forward to seeing is um, one of the things that we talked about during session zero about this game was corruption yeah. and like how, how that is. So I have no idea how Dorland's going to turn out or the other party members here or them um, like the, the rivals and like the idea of uh, there being something kind of a little insidious going on. That's uh affecting people like uh i i think that um that's going I, i'm i'm really excited to see how that plays out and uh what kind of effect that has on mm -hmm. relationships because like you do always have like in a game like D D, like the mechanical effects of like like confusion spell or whatever doing weird things mm -hmm. but uh especially having developed this close relationship with them if something like goes on that like messes up with the character's mind a little bit and they start uh getting a little angry or like making maybe some not so good choices, seeing how that develops and seeing like that there is a good relationship right now. I think that that's just setting up uh, the possibility for more, or at least I hope so. Yeah, there there is no worse enemy than a friend, and there is no better better friend than someone who was initially an enemy. A lot of the time, you know. Um, I always think that like some of some of my best friends from college are people who made awful first impressions with me and then someone convinced me to give them a second chance and then i'm like oh actually i really like this person they just really botched that for and oftentimes that was me doing the botching too but like yeah like it's the same thing like nobody can hurt you as well as somebody who knows where to stick the knife exactly i was just about to say that as well if we start off as friends we could get to know like how they work how they think and what their weaknesses are and they can do the same to us yeah vice versa they can really get kelly's really good at that as a dm he he gets he's really good at knowing what makes your character tick and even stuff that you don't necessarily know about your own character and you have a great power of absolutely devastating character sometimes in the best way possible and i mean that with like high compliments that you Thank are you. able to just like work always, the always knife in and be like you. holy crap <laughs> um thank you thank you you'll make me blush 
Um, okay, so uh, some th questions also about this. So was there anything unexpected when running the festival games the PCs did attempt? That no one tried to do the swimming competition, so I had to make the NPC do it. That was that was weird. Um, I wasn't expecting that. I, I, I mean, did I did offer. I, I offered did to as do well. the swimming. Did you? And then Val, yeah, yeah, I did. And then Val said, "No, it's okay. I can do it." Well, because yeah. it was really you, you because well, because I I was I was meta gaming it. I was looking, going, I don't have good stats for this, but I haven't done anything yet, so I'll do this one. Hmm. Meanwhile, I was going, I know I have good stats, but I did the athletics check earlier. Like yeah, I, I was trying to put Dax forward to do it. Personally. That's that's fair. <laughs> was trying to get involved with everything. That's fair. Yeah. I um. Sorry. One of the things that sorry I didn't want. Oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, do it, do it. Just gonna say sorry I didn't want to get her hair wet. That's all. That which is great, <laughs> and I love that as a character detail. Um, I think it's one of the things that you got to watch out for. Um, in this is that you don't have one player like go and try to steamroll everything, and I think it's really great. None of you tried to do that. Like even though Dorlin did try to get involved, if someone else put themselves forward on a solo attempt thing, like honestly, you're not supposed to be able to help out with the riddles, but you all started doing it. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care. It's for charity. I doubt that like, you know, the the goblin bishop is going to turn you away from like winning a one copper medal that cost you like four gold in donations to enter. Like my, my only question with the, with the riddles thing is that they say that there are multiple people there looking at the riddles. But how are you supposed like doesn't that just spoil it if someone walks in and goes, it's an egg? You know, well, or I kind of figured like really they should have had like a like, written like, like a silent auction, right? Like it should have yeah. been like, oh yeah, it's like over here. But they don't they, how do you get that? Mm -hmm. How do you what? Exactly. Get like and that's like an example there because I was like, yeah. oh, I want to see what happens if I put the wrong key in. Yeah, so but you have to do the yeah, you're right. So how would you get zappy bread on a card? But it's like there are other people like it, sh it should have been in a tent yeah, or something like an mm -hmm. escape room almost. Um, mm -hmm. So make that change when you run it, put it inside of a tent and like have like three small tents or like little gazebos or something like that. And like, nobody can see what's see, going I, on. I assumed the key one was going to change each round. Like, so when, when someone puts the correct key mm -hmm. in, it would change color or do something different. And then if you got it wrong, it did different damage to you. That's, that's definitely fair. a lot more effort, but that's what I thought was going to happen. See, and that is my one problem with chapter one. It's, it's that in chapter one, the way that it is set up is actually, I think it's a really good book. No shame on the writers or on Critical Role or Wizards of the Coast. I think some of these carnival games or these these things are 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 half baked compared to some of the things that we did in Witchlight. The Witchlight mm. ones lead to a more um, obvious conclusion, and it feels like these weren't always thought through as well as they could be. Um, including which the bottle puzzle apparently is exactly out of Harry Potter. Is that what you guys said? It is. Oh no! Yes. I'd, is it exactly? Because yeah, I remember. It's... Being the same idea, I'm pretty sure it's the exact the right same line. wording. It's just a slightly. It's going through fire, not for finding the light. It's basically, but it like mm. from what Kelly said, I'm pretty sure it is the exact same puzzle. It's mm. the wording is sounded the exact same as what I remember the if book. Someone being, wants to look that up and thing. put it in the comments. Let us know. I know mm -hmm. the chat was was all like, "This is just the thing from Harry Potter." So yeah, <laughs> I don't know so... how specific it was. Which. Mm. It's, uh, yeah. 
I well, and, and like, let's be fair. A lot of the stuff in Harry Potter was just Jack from other stuff. So if they're taking it from probably an older version. I think they're probably taking it from Harry Potter, really. Like, I think that it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's so like in the front of our pop culture consciousness that that's probably what they're using. But still, um, the pie contest was great. Um, the one shot solution. So that's what someone was asking. Why did I not like the one shot solution? Uh, so the one shot solution was the one that we didn't do. So it was a game that tests memory and navigation skills. The way to win, you study the mage from the outside, the maze from the outside, and then follow the only correct path to the exit in the one shot. Um, if a creature reaches a dead end, the judge, which is an, uh, an Aracocra that's flying around, swoops down and goes, whoop, and pulls you out of the maze. Um, and the reason that I didn't like this one, um, it wasn't that I didn't like it by itself, it's that I didn't like it in comparison to the herding option. Uh, and the reason I wanted the herding option is because Sabina had spent so much time trying to save the sharks and had shown such a presence for animals. And I was like, oh, there's a theme of animals here, not a theme of like mazes. So I wanted to go with that because it was more character focused. That and... I'm going to be a hundred percent. It's way easier to describe tortoises uh, when we are doing like a visual medium performing for an audience than it is using the maze where I'm like, you walk down a hedge maze. There is a curve and that it's way easier to get mentally lost. If you're listening to that um, as a viewer or as a podcast listener, right. Um, or as it, a player, I would say, unless you had a map for us, I get very confused. There, there's no map in the like book. Mazes. either. So, yeah. So I would have probably been confused as a player too. I would well, have I feel like been that's like, just hey, sitting out. Like, yeah. It's like roll a die. And if you pass your memory check, you did so, it. So the way that it works exactly. is uh, you cost three silver when you enter, they make a survival DC 14 to oh, check no. to find the correct path. On a success, uh, the player traverses the maze in one shot. On a fail check, they get lost and may try to hide from the Aarakocra and try again. And, like, the hiding from the Aarakocra makes sense, but it's also one of those things where if you're playing, like, a good or lawful party, the idea of cheating might not immediately jump to your mind in a maze challenge. In a game of cards, sure. But in like, that's like if you're going to a carnival game and you're trying to like, like throw the balls in the cups when they're floating around, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to be like, look, a monkey and just start like dropping them in. Like, I mean, actually, you know what? I know a lot of players that would do that. So never mind. Um, <laughs> but like I picked, I, I picked that one because I was like, mm, we're, we're running a little a little low on time because Krista had technical difficulties um, because the way that the book is meant to do is you're meant to do the, the, the challenge stuff uh, in one game and then spend the next game doing the Emerald Grotto. And I was really worried that the um, uh, Emerald Grotto stuff would not have enough time if we had to go back through and, uh, and, and um, run two more challenges. So I cut it down to one. Turned out I was wrong. Emerald Grotto, you guys speed ran that thing in like there was pressure. So like, I was also thinking about this. I remember yeah, you saying, and I'm wondering if maybe because we were thinking, man, we have to go, we have to go, go, go. So I didn't really have any in character interactions except let's get to the next room, mm. figure it out, let's get to the next room. So I'm wondering if perhaps they're supposed to be like they would assume you'd have more interactions maybe okay. or... yeah because i again i felt that as well um it was the whole the round thing okay. and so go ahead and it was uh 
Yeah, it definitely felt like a very, very rushed. And it seemed like even with the, like, just the, the one or two, like, things that we did that didn't, like, weren't immediately pro progressing, like, made it so that we just barely beat them. Okay. Like, um, do you want me to go through this section? Because I think it's going to be very important for people who are running it. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, the characters and the rivals, they go there, blah, blah, blah. Have each character make a dex check. If at least half the party gets 13 or higher, they go first. Otherwise, the rivals enter first. Okay. Keeping track of the race. The progress of the race and the rivals as they move through the grotto is measured in rounds. You need to keep track of the number of rounds it takes the party to traverse locations as it affects the encounter at the end. Uh, if the rivals enter before the characters, they choose whatever path the characters didn't take. So, pardon me, if the rivals go after you. So they they took the south, you took the east. Um, however, uh, if you guys go second, they take the east passage, and I think it's they take the east one, and then Maggie blocks the way. But we'll get to that in a sec, because there's a specific question about that. So, um, the way that it works, you have to track rounds, you have to use water, okay? Um, and at the end of every one of these rooms, there is a race progression bullet point, or well, it's a bolded point. Uh, so uh, in the grotto entrance, it's, it takes the characters one round to dive into the water and traverse this room. So boom, you got one. Um, you said, oh, it, I put on my, it, I put on my armor. And I'm like, okay, that takes an action, which means that if it takes one round to, to traverse this room and dive underwater, like I'm counting everything outside of that stated round of movement and, and focus as additional content. Right. Um, and that was so that I wouldn't cheat and make it too easy for you. I wanted to make it harder for you because I, I feel like sometimes I might be a little too easy. I think people have said that about me before. Um, so like uh, level or part two, you guys go through the kelp tangle. Uh, if the group is successful on their athletics check to swim through the kelp, it takes them one round. Otherwise, it takes two rounds. So boom. Actually, I can check my. I, I kept stats. So give me one sec. Yeah, because I know I I put the um, what I think also might have helped us too is I put up the the warding wind as Keiko at the entrance because that counted as rough terrain for the party behind us. Yeah, which I think was a a bonus, but that that was so um in so grotto entrance took you two rounds. Um, because uh, of Dorlin charging up. Uh, however, Kelp Tangle took you only one. Then room three was the Cavern Fork. Uh, the characters dawdle while choosing which path to take. It takes them two rounds to traverse. Otherwise, it takes them one. So when you guys were like, oh, can I use survival? I'm like, it would, it would take you time to do this, to really suss things out. And you decided, no, let's just go this way. Now, ultimately for the race, it makes no difference. Uh, so the what... The way that you went was you went from E1, E2, E3, E4, E5, E6, E10. The other ones would have been 3, 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay, so that's just a different route along this, 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 this map that you see here, right? So you took the one that kind of arced up east and then kind of went down and then back up again. Um, and they took the opposite approach. So, um, Ghost Grass Patch uh, was where you decided to go through, and you're like, oh, let's go look at this ghost grass. And um, it's the one with the bioluminescent algae. So, it takes two rounds to diverse this chamber, plus the number of rounds it takes for the characters who are caught in the ghost grass to get free. No one got caught in it, which is good because it really hits you with a lot of necrotic damage. 
for a level two game or level three game. Uh, if you stop to harvest algae, add one to the total. However, because you used magic to burst through it, I I rounded that point down into the into the first two. So I charged you two for that one because one of you was using like magic and an axe to like cut stuff down, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm like, okay, that seems like a logical way to get rid of this grass. Um, and sometimes you got to go a little off script. Um, Krista, you also tried to use uh, entangle to kind of hold it down. It, it failed, but it yes, failed. That, that, but was that was my, a good it was idea. <laughs> Always let your players use spells for things that you, you wouldn't expect unless it is totally cheap and weird. In this case, that was a great idea. Um, it just didn't work. Um, so that was two. And then landslide was the big one. So the tunnel opens into a cavern of space. Um, each character must make a DC blah saving roll and Dax botched. So the landslide that hits the chamber, it, it blocks the exit and it pushes stuff down. Uh, it also opens a, a hidden cave at the back that has a, a couple of things in it, some magic items. So it takes at least two rounds to traverse the room. If no character succeeded on the check to locate the exit, add two rounds to the total. If the character stopped to search the hidden cave, add one round. This took you five rounds to exit because... Dax botched, you had to dig him out, you had to dig out the exit, Dorlin checked the room, okay? So that was where you got hit the hardest. Gotcha. Then you went to the Quipper Den, where if you get close to this swarm of Quippers, they attack you. It takes at least one round to traverse this chamber, uh, and keep track of how many rounds of combat you spend fighting, fighting the swarm, and add that to the total. You made it through in two rounds. You went through, they attacked, and you went, you know what, screw you, and unloaded on these things and made them dead sardines in no time at all. And then you just left. And there were the swarm had been so badly damaged at that point that I forget if you straight up killed it or if there was like three hit points left where um, they were just like, now nah, we're good. Because <laughs> like a swarm of like, a swarm that's dropped less than 10% of its hit points isn't going to keep fighting. It's it's It doesn't have numbers anymore, in my opinion. I, I think Dorlin was punching as he left i don't know if they actually i got... think he i think he did kill the last one as like, yeah, he, he punched so. it in the button and died i think is what happened <laughs> yeah and then uh in six so you did two rounds there which is a total of five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve oh it's only 13 uh my math is bad i counted that as six for some reason uh one two three four five seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen so It'll still put you at 13 to 14 rounds, depending on how I was. So here is the pace. Uh, so you get into the last lair uh, where the shark is and um, the shark. That kind of weirded me out when I was running the shark part, to be honest, because the spear is embedded in the side. And the way that it is written is the amulet is the emerald eye, the goal of the race. The spear lodged in the shark has been enchanted by the divine power of uh, the moon weaver. The shark uses the giant shark stat plot. Any character within five feet of the shark can use an action to try to dislodge the spear um, with a bunch of stuff. Um, and they say that... Where is the Emerald Eye? A druid of Jigao cast animal friendship on the shark earlier today and tied the Emerald Eye around its body, then made a speedy getaway. A character can cut the amulet free by attacking the rope around the shark instead of the shark itself. Um... However, they don't really explain why there's a spear in the side of the shark. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, like, that's kind of... 
so See, and i thought as a player it was like oh that's what's making the shark mad is it's freaking heart man right take the spear out maybe the shark yeah. will like con itself but so that that seemed really weird to me i was like well is it a druid of the moon god that did it also that seems like a real dickish thing to do just like it seems like a running of the bulls level of like a little bit of animal cruelty here like or not running of the bulls um uh, uh bullfighting type of thing like we're gonna just yeah. stab this creature to get it riled up like yeah i'd be riled up if you stabbed me with a spear too <laughs> like right? like i i think it's kind of weird um but they needed to have a fight at the end because the whole point of it is you kill the shark it thrashes around it knocks a pillar down um and breaks open the the wall had um had the spear the spear was removed at one point right but i think it had yeah. also been attacked a bunch at that point so i think i think it was a little freaked out because um if if you do not want to engage the shark in in like trying to kill it like if you have a very like pro animal party um which we have a portion of right um what you can do is have the shark just panic and try to swim away as quickly as possible and knock down the pillar in its panic um that is something i i kind of wish i had thought of earlier to be honest um because like the idea of being like, oh, I guess we have to kill this thing because the module says so. I that's one of the things about modules when you're in the middle of running it and you're like you hadn't quite thought an element through hundred percent, and you're like you're in the moment you're like, I guess I default to as written because I'm running fifteen characters right now and my brain is applesauce. Um, yeah, sometimes that just doesn't like the idea and 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 then you think on it and like the cameras go off and you go. Why didn't I fucking think of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, know. I, I just have this when you say that the spear has like nothing, like no reason for it in the book. There, all I'm imagining is like telling people prepare for that one party out there somewhere that is going to forget about everything else after that and be like, but the spear—that's the real mystery we need to solve. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. who tried to kill the shark, you know? It was you. No. Um, well, and I that like that you played off relatively well or well very well when i when I, I was all grumpy and you know just saying oh well i didn't design it i will have a talking to the people that did it because as far as we were concerned that was why it was angry and they stabbed it to make it angry so yeah. we had like i had no idea i just assumed it was like oh well that's a shitty thing to do <laughs> it also made the elder a lot more approachable for the later scenes when he's like oh balls what <laughs> I'm gonna go. Like, oh, you let are me put my, my Karen side. wig on. I gotta speak to a manager. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! I am the manager. Elder <laughs> Karen. Yes, Elder Karen. Elder Karen. The Karen crawler. Um, I, I want to say one thing real quick, and this is something that I really assert in any time I run a panel about how to run games or do any DMing at all. Um, it's something I came up with this year, and, and that is every role-playing game you run is a first draft, so don't beat yourself up, please. Um, unlike a story, you don't have the opportunity to go back and edit, so if you miss, if you do something slightly wrong, you're doing it live. Just, it happens. You didn't have time to rehearse nearly as much, even if, you, even if it was in a villain monologue. You know that the one time you rehearse a monologue, the player's going to be like, ah, he opened his mouth, lightning bolt. I cast polymorph. That that happened to me in a game. That happened to Amy did that to me, where I had this great villain monologue in Rise <laughs> of the Rune Lords, and she's like, I, "What did she do? She was like, like flaming or sacred pillar of fire spell or something." She's like, "Nope." <laughs> oh no, that's not what this what it was. So you cut this guy's head off, and then the head gives you a prophecy that's like, "Fools, I will continue," and she blew it up with like ten d six damage. 
<laughs> I gave her the biggest stink eye for that. I'm like, let me monologue. And she was just like, eek. Because, I mean, who expects a head to keep talking, really, right? Yes. Right? Uh, yes. Anyway, anyway. But, like, everything's a first draft. Don't beat yourself up. Just, just like, and, and if your players give you shit for it, like, if you have bad players who are like, well, that game wasn't very good because you messed up a rule or two, be like, maybe if you learned your rules better, I wouldn't have to juggle so much. <laughs> but seriously, run for friends, run for friends. And, and, and players have a, why are you watching this? By the way, if you're a player in this game, you're cheating. Um, no, have a realistic players expectation. Players in other games. <laughs> hey, players in other games. Have realistic yeah. expectations of your dungeon masters. They're just human. I will add on, like, uh, and just admit, hey, I made a mistake. Like, if somebody's just like, hey, what did you do here? Hey, I made a mistake. That that helps. Everyone makes mistakes. Yep. Well, and I've I've unintentionally created a very interesting mechanically combat character with my reaction spells to myself sometimes. So I will myself be like, yeah, I know we're having to look up the rules because again it's it's a very weird wording and I did not realize I built Keiko that way. It's fine. You apologized to me it. later and I was like, no, I gotta learn I, I, I forgot that reaction worked that way. Yeah. So, so thanks, it's just, it, it gave it's me an a chance interesting to learn. thing. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, yeah, you know, we all make mistakes. We and unintentionally sometimes make potentially difficult characters not like trying to trip up the dm or anything but it's still nice to be like and hey don't try to trip. i didn't mean to do that <laughs> yeah whoops and, and don't give them don't give people crap after they make mistakes like you can you can give them a, a ribbing like probably I, I would say twice ever for a single thing if you do it more than that you're you're asking i to mean get... look at me trying to up uh, in which light trying to level up isaac and fully misreading a feat and doing complaint being all excited because i got this new thing and someone being like that's not how that feat works and i go you're correct haha <laughs> just walk it back walk it back so walk, um ignore all of that <laughs> so here is here is the deal so based on that you guys got through in 13 14 rounds okay fast pace is 10 or fewer I don't know how you can do that in 10. Like, you got to be like one, 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 like succeeding everything. Okay. The characters beat the rivals of the chamber, but not by much. Oh, pardon me. The characters outpace the rivals. The rivals don't appear until after the encounter with the shark. Okay. Moderate is 11 to 15. So you were right, like, on the cusp of that 15. Um, maybe I added one for something else. I forget. Um, but I wrote down 14. Uh, you beat the rivals of the chamber, but I'm not much. The rivals enter the chamber on the third round of combat and roll initiative. Unless they are hostile toward you specifically, they will aid you in the fight against the shark. Otherwise, they focus on a tr acquiring the amulet or try to sabotage you, um, but in a, a non-lethal way if possible. They're never, they never attempt to hurt you, but they do the whole like stick between your legs type of thing, right? Um, at a slow pace, if it took you more than 16 rounds, um, you get there, they're in the middle of the fight, the shark is dropped down to 75 hit points, and you roll initiative with them fighting it. Okay? So, you can choose to go, or whatever. Um, so it really does make a difference. Like, I had some people who said, like, um, like, how do you keep the, the rivals from being antagonistic? There's also a question in here of hold on where is it it was something about grappling right well yeah i'm gonna go back to that in just a sec okay uh but there is a thing about um hostile rivals uh buh, buh, buh. oh sorry it's in it's in chapter two so there's a question of like 
if the rivals here he goes warring destinies if the characters got the jewel but grievously injured the rivals or even killed one or more of them holy shit! so i i imagine there are plenty of parties out there that would do that they'd be like ah these guys are rivals let's drown yeah. them in, in the grotto yeah. yeah yeah well especially because right. they are presented as such right they you, you do kind of say that they're your rival like the whole module says they're your rivals you're like well screw these guys but like there's so many like animes <laughs> where it's like that friendly rivalhood that they just become good friends because it's time to dork tales um so um it's weird. It's the idea of being that hostile to them besides just like being like, you guys suck. We're going to kick your butts type of vibe, right? Instead of like, you guys suck. We're going to kill you and your family. Murder right? you. <laughs> People jump to murder in D&D a little too quickly sometimes, I think. And that's that's always weird to me because I came to D&D from like role-playing games where, where murder was a much bigger deal because it, they were like modern day drama, supernatural drama games. Robin felt well, that And you racing. can always... You can yeah. always tell when like D and D players start playing World of Darkness, yeah, because it's a it, everyone's like, "Well, I kill him." Like that's really that's your first in broad choice. daylight. Do in you? broad daylight? Uh, there's a <laughs> cop right there. I don't care I'll that kill, you're I'll kill him too. Well, I said, okay, <laughs> when Whatever. when I I'm a vampire. In May, okay? I do what I, I want, a... and I dominate everyone to forget. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> Mage so, really affected me with that because I I recently went through that character death thing and I I imploded someone's head with magic and I was just like, holy shit that is like makes a difference. It, it hit it hit real hard. Uh, I I think that hit points hit points are a problem with conceptualizing mortality a lot of the time for people mm -hmm. because it's like mm -hmm. I have 200 hit points I'm going to jump off this cliff and rage and I'll be fine because I'll half my damage on the landing and it's like. Mechanically, you're right. Realistically, you fall on a sharp rock that is magical and die. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, like it's, it's, it's the. Like, I mean, that's uh, part of living in a fantasy world, right? I, like, I mean, are you playing D and D? Or are you playing Skyrim at that point? Are you trying to like run up the side of the mountain with your? Well, with your but horse? that's what some people want, right? Like, if like, that's what, if that's what your game Skyrim's wants, so popular, right? Totally fine. Sorry, Chris. What were you saying? Imagine like I just imagine lycanthropes everywhere, just dropping from insane heights down, like air dropped off of dragons' back onto villages because they're immune to uh, non-magical non bludgeoning damage. Which technically, is damage. you know what you could a real dick DM would be like. Technically, your attacks are lethal, and you did that to yourself. So technically, your attacks are magical if you're a lycanthrope, and jumping off of a cliff is technically you <laughs> doing it. I don't think they are magical. Don't are they not? Damn. Magical, though. Damn. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking World of Darkness anyway. still. But that would be great yeah. if it's just like, yeah, well, know, that's right? self-inflicted, so. Well, you actually hit By the, the transitive ground, property. And, but, the, but the ground breaks, and you end up uh, finding discovering a silver mine, and you have fallen directly <laughs> on shards go. of silver. I, well, so. you weren't in that game, Krista, but I ran a LARP where um, half of it was in a silver mine. And it was a werewolf game, and they were going through the silver Amazing. mine where the silver had gotten into the air. Like it had egg damage to your lungs. Yeah. Oh my god, it was cool. great. I, I forget. I think I blew it up midway through, and then it like vaporized, and people were like, oh, it was great. Um. So, uh, back onto Netherdeep. As you are going through the Emerald Grotto, there was a question from, uh, let's see, uh, where was it? It was from uh, Rollers of Fate. Uh, I was thinking if Maggie grapples the heroes at the start of the. 
uh, if the heroes follow the rivals, like go second, and Maggie tries to block them, um, would the adventure see this as the start of a future conflict? I'm concerned that my group may try to kill them there. Thanks for the advice. I really hope they don't because that would be rough. Um, so the way that it works is if you're going through, um, let's see, it is if a rival party enters the grotto first, they take the southern path of the fork. So they went that way anyway. Maggie lingers at the fork waiting for the characters and then encouraging them to take the eastern path. If the characters try to take the southern path instead, Maggie blocks their way and defends herself if attacked. If the characters take the eastern path, she waits till they're gone and then follows her group. So for that, I would say that she just goes, we've already gone this way, go the other way. And if they insist, be like, I'm not letting you through, let's do this fair. And if it pushes, say, nothing personal, kid. And do that whole anime thing. But try to make, try to play Maggie as not doing it personally. Like, and use words like fair. Because you can, you can manipulate people pretty easily by saying, I want this to be a fair competition. Right? Too many people this way. Go the other way. Or something like that. Like you can. Could you, you can, also like hmm. just sort of hand wave, maybe knocking rocks and actually closing it off? You know so what? Hell yes, you could. Them. Yeah, I was gonna just, say, just have, have Maggie like smash. How strong yeah. is Maggie? Because I mean, the answer is as strong as you need her to be. Exactly. Yeah. It's like how strong is Superman? Convenient spot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. Uh, I think that's one of the nice things about like uh, the way we did things with um, um, like how uh, you presented the rivals uh, to us and we interacted with them because uh, it definitely makes them all seem a little bit more personable and mm -hmm. you know you might be running with a party that just wants to hack and slash and kill everything and like you know what if that's the the way that uh, people are having fun in, in the game including you like great go for it um, though it's I think that um, I think that's something that's like really interesting about this world from uh, what I've seen is that it's very clear that like goblins, typical enemy, they are people like in, in this and they are presented as such. Whereas like um, a lot of, uh, I think uh, old school D and D players aren't necessarily used to that, but, uh, and that's something really interesting about the setting too. You're in a goblin orc village, like, uh, like, even like 10 20 years ago like traditionally like these are monstrous creatures and uh and nope nope you're you're getting to meet them you're partying with them you're having fun with them and like everyone is a person here and i think that uh hopefully the the setup mm -hmm. um that's provided there helps dig into the point because you know it it can be fun to play like that if that's what everyone wants to do but um i i think this like this just opens up so much more drama doing it that way. And, uh, mm. you know, if you're worried that your party might, uh, and that your players might do that, and that's not the kind of game you want to run, definitely talk to them about it beforehand. Mm. Yeah. Always communication is it's a role-playing game. Communication is the greatest asset you can have because it is the core of the game is communication. Totally. Um, so I have a couple of important questions that I want to, I want to posit to all of you before we go back to some of the, the viewer questions. Um, most of you, like Robin, you're you're a critter. Like you're a critical role fan. Okay, mm -hmm. Caitlin and Chris, you have watched um, you've watched the the animated show. Um, so you like um, Legends of Vox Machina. And Krista, you're not a critter at all. You're 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 much a much bigger fan of like Dimension Twenty and Adventure Zone, right? And like other things like that. Very and Dork Tales, yeah. of course. Um, of course. 
Of course, the DM's dreamy. Um, I can see why you'd like it. Swoon. Sparkle. Do I still have glitter from that game you ran in my hair? Probably, yeah. um, I have two questions. The first is, how good of an introduction does chapter one give you into Critical Role? Like, how much Critical Role, how do you all feel about the setting? Like, how does it, building on what Chris was just talking about, like, how do you feel about this game as an introduction to Critical Role? Does it, is it pretty good for that? Or is it, is it pretty much feel like any D and D setting at this point? Because at Chris... this point, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I the only really the, the reason the flavor yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the flavor that came yeah. in was when you mentioned uh, at the end of like near the end of last game was the vestiges of divergence, and you can see me on camera freak out, not as yeah. Keiko as Robin. Hmm. But that's because you know it. Like oh, I, oh yeah, had no exactly. That I was like, okay, cool. I don't Same. know what this means. So that would be I'm trying to think of something you would that you would know it as Caitlin, like something equivalent would be like um god what's an anime I know you've watched? Um what's a collection anime? Like that that's like fairly modern like Oh, it'd be like it'd be like I don't know, like maybe talking about like ah yes, it gives you one, it access to one of the servants from the Fate series or something. I don't know. Oh, right. it, it's okay. it's like it's like legendary tools like Excalibur. It's basically of that level where it's 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 weapons and things that were used in a war to fight gods thousands and thousands of years ago in Critical Role, and they originally buried these vestiges of divergence because they were so powerful and basically they're kind of lost to lore kind of thing so it, it's basically like, so, like very Caitlin, like you, you legendary felt, weapons Caitlin okay. you felt lost on lore in that because it went completely over your head because you have no context oh yeah no context okay I'm like okay so, I'm I'm gonna I'll, I'll be the only critical role I've watched is like the first few episodes of season three um I it, which is which is good left. it's 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 uh, a little it's a little <laughs> bit of a slow build well, and and honestly, like I, there was a lot of parts that I liked about it. The parts that I didn't like were the constant referencing to the previous seasons. Because I was like, mm. I don't know what you're ta- like. Yeah, I can watch it, but I can see you guys are like making references, and I'm like, okay, now I just feel left out. And mm. like I'm gra- I'm really glad that everyone else is enjoying this, but especially for like a third season of something that like is presented as a these are all new characters in a new mm-hmm. part of the world that we've never yeah. been to before but we're going to talk about all the other stuff all the time which again great for at the table great for fans i'm sure but it is makes it not inaccessible but way harder to access so that's one of the things that i find trouble with this of being okay. like there's all of these references that like i'm not getting so and that's fine okay. but it's yeah i'm gonna work on non-diegetic exposition from here on in then so um, or I guess diegetic against, uh, or I will not assume anything at this point. So I'm going to start star tracking it for you. Uh, and by that, I mean, cool. I believe that, pardon me, I believe that this is a vestige of divergence. One of the items that was used to fight the gods during the calamity. Right. So I'll start adding that little subtitle in from now on. So that I'm like, it basically is a nod to anybody who doesn't know critical role very well and be like, this means it's this, you know, I, I know. I know when we started this game and we're thinking of different character concepts and everything, um, especially because like being added a little bit to after everyone else had uh, had some time, like I just like dug into like reading the wiki as much as possible, like and just like going all over the place. And uh, I spent 
a long time going down several rabbit holes there, listening to a couple of specific random episodes and mm-hmm. uh, finding out as much lore, reading um, some well, of and, the uh, and you and I had and stuff that were out there. Like I, I vetoed your first character concept because I was I, I was really worried about its presence in the module. Um, yeah, which, that was that was really interesting because I'm used sorry the, about um, that. Oh no, <laughs> it, it it would have been an interesting character uh, for the storyline. But uh, what I did was uh, I I rolled randomly on um, the Wildmont guide for the uh, heroic chronicle thing, and I was like, I don't know any of these places, and I have a limited amount of time that I need to focus on like learning about, and so. Um, I think one of the things that I rolled was like the Luxon Acolyte. And I was like, I don't know what the hell that is. And so I started reading about it and I was like, oh, wow, I want to be consecuted. Like, this sounds amazing. I want to be someone who's been reborn here. And I'm from Jagao. So like, let's say I'm an orc or a half orc. And uh, like, according to like this guy, like they get really pissed off some of the wandering orc tribes when like one of their babies gets consecuted as and like reborn as a... Like, uh, is a reborn drow and i was like this would be so much fun to play and i actually rolled being in from uh Jigao as well on there so like i tried to research that and like read specifically all those things and uh and so the, uh, the, the, i got the, into it a bit yeah you did and it was it was a good concept but my my concern is um because we wanted to have this game out um as a show as soon as possible and because they don't release any freaking info about the book beforehand you don't know what's coming and um you know we had to work with our artists to get all of the the really lovely art from halas up which usually requires about 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 a five to six week lead time on that because it's a lot of work um so i was like oh we got to figure out what your character is i don't know how the luxon is going to focus in it was such a big focus of season two or campaign two of critical role um, that like I sat down with Robin who, who knows all this stuff and I was like okay how likely is this to be something on the player level that is going to be like incorporated or like how likely do you think that this is going to like fit whatever they're going for and we were wrong because it's all over this freaking book and I told yeah Chris, it's it's I'm yeah so it's, I'm sorry Chris I'm sorry Chris because yeah they made it such a huge thing during campaign two about it and it was difficult and because the players asked that, um... and Robin can confirm. I've, I've, I off camera and, and behind your back, I've been like, Dude, I feel really bad about this. <laughs> I, I don't, because I freaking love playing Dorland. I think like, Dorland's Dorland the better been choice. An absolute blast, and I think mm-hmm. uh, he's a much better fit for this party. So, um, like, I mean, like when when you showed us that little clip where it's uh, suggested, like, uh, like so playing it, I was just like, oh, oh. I don't want I'm... to bring this up, and, and then you did before uh, the game, but I was just like, oh, that's, that's rough, so and like, when you said that we were in Dagao, too, I was like, oh, <laughs> but, <laughs> like, but it was just completely random, like, I, yeah. I had just rolled on that table and tried to generate a character off of that. Hmm. Oh, uh, also, um, if you can find access to it, um, you don't need uh, the Wildmount book to run this, or the, uh, the Taldori guide, which is impossible to get if you're in Canada, because the shipping is ridiculous, Um there's some great like secret backstory generation stuff in there. If you if you have access to yeah. them, use them. Absolutely use them. Because I've got a secret for each one of these guys that I plan to use in the future. Well, and see, I did the opposite of Chris in that like I purposefully built a character that has not participated in society for a really long time. Because if I get things wrong about Taldori and about Exandria. I don't want that. 
I don't want to get added about it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to play a character that doesn't know anything because Krista does not have the mental capacity to read 7,000 pages of a wiki and watch 500 hours of streaming. Yeah, exactly. And, but also there's the worry that a bunch of Critical Role fans would come over and like just like set Dork Tales on fire for mispronouncing I've, I've met something. a lot of amazing Critical oh, Role yeah. fans and the show is great and everyone that's on it is awesome. But there are there's a reason they have a bad image. <laughs> well, because the bad fans of any fandom are the worst yes. people. And the, the, good, the good fans, you never would know that they're you just think that they're passionate about something. Like they don't come off yeah. weird if they're good fans. Like they just come off as passionate. And there's a big difference. But totally. um so a couple of quick rapid fire questions. Uh on that note, uh Fallen Sniper asks, Do you read the whole book cover to cover and know this whole story first, or do you take it steps at a time? Um so uh as someone who is neurodivergent uh i have a pretty strong attention deficit disorder what i do is i skim it uh i skim the plot beats i read the the plot setup at the beginning i skim the chapters the first thing i did was check the final boss and just see what they'd be up against at the end like that's i, I flipped it open and i'm like huh well that's gonna suck um I flip through the NPCs, and then what I do, um, because I'm performing this in front of an audience, uh, I go through, I highlight the crap out of everything um, that I need. I go through and I read the chapter, highlight everything, and then I take notes on the side for that night's event. And usually, I either know exactly what I'm going to fill in uh, in that night, because we've kind of gotten it down to a science, like what we can fit in with side roleplay and stuff. Uh, or I do what I'm prepping that night plus about 50%. So I have some wiggle room, uh, during random encounter sections. Uh, I read everything because you, you don't know. And, um, when it comes to random encounter stuff, uh, I, if I don't know which one to start with, I do a random encounter, uh, by rolling a dice. And, uh, then I pick my favorites from there so that we don't go from fight to fight, to fight, to fight, to fight, to fight, to fight or from not fight to from talk to talk to talk like you need to have a little bit of a fight you need to have a little bit of talk it's like it's like a sandwich you got to make sure that it's really made properly um so that's that's my which we which we uh ha have thrown a bit of a, a slight curveball that the module didn't prepare for you did it uh it did not about... so that's a little bit about chapter two but i, I Ooh, wish that we could talk okay. more about chapter two because there's this uh, we'll talk about the beginning of chapter two actually um because not nothing like once you get to the caravan but um so the rivals aren't supposed to travel with you or at least not according to the book but the way they have it is you either meet the rivals on the road um so friendly rivalry if the characters show little interest in learning more about the jewel or perhaps the rivals don't share that then perhaps the rivals don't share that attitude each uh, if the rivals were present at the prayer site in the Emerald Grotto, they didn't experience the vision. Instead, they heard only a muffled voice, as if the speaker were, like, distant or underwater or something. Uh, nevertheless, they heard enough to get curious. Io asks to travel with them. But then they drop that plot point. So Io doesn't miss words. She wants to know where, what they found in the grotto. If she gets the sense they have stumbled onto something big, her eyes grow wide. She decides that she and her group want a piece of the action. Do a DC 13 wisdom insight to realize she's not hiding anything and literally just wants to go on an adventure. Um, all the other rivals have their own opinions. Dermot is concerned. Galsariad is curious. Irvin has no interest, but wants to know what the gem can do. Uh, and Maggie agrees with anyone who doesn't express or who expresses concern for the characters, but doesn't say much on her own. 
Um, she thinks that there's more going on than the characters reveal, which is weird writing because if we're at this point, the characters likely have told them everything. So she's like, there's more going on, but I'm not going to push about it. Where it's like, but they literally, okay, whatever. Um, so that's, that's a big part of, of the beginning of chapter two is do like, do they go with you or not? If they, there's nothing to suggest how to run it if they travel with you though. And I have a question here from um, uh, Bezakabief. You know who you are. Um, I posted elsewhere, but I'll rephrase here. How big of a change is the presence of the rivals in a campaign? And is it overwhelming to keep track of and manage this other group of adventurers? Yes, uh, it's a big change, uh, having a secondary party to manage. Uh, the way that they've done it in this book is much easier. Their stat blocks are much more manageable. Um, and I don't have to worry about skills or anything because you can... Here, here's a DM trick. Uh, hand wave skill checks. If a, if it's a fighty character, they would probably know how to like survive off the land and do athletics, but they probably wouldn't know religion unless they're secretly faithful. So give them a plus two on those roles and not on anything else. If it's an NPC and it doesn't matter. Hand wave NPCs, unless it is indirect, unless it directly affects what happens to the players in that moment, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Or just say they succeed if the players need somebody to, like, catch them while they're falling down a, a mine shaft, right? Like, oh, yeah, they roll succeeded. You didn't look at the dice. I mean, they succeeded. They got a crit. What am I saying? You know, like, just, it, it does, like, unless it affects the story and the players, um, it doesn't matter. That's my opinion. You can totally just run, like, according to the dice, but if, if all it would do is slow down play and make it less fun for everybody, just hand wave it. But if it, obviously if like Irvin and Dorlin got in a fist fight, we're running that thing raw. We're running that thing dice as they fall. <laughs> let's do this. But if it's like, you know, does this NPC learn this secret that they can later use against the PCs or that they learn this like fun trivia fact about Jigao? Does it really matter? Is it better for the story if they learn it? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Maybe give it to them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of hand wave the stuff that doesn't matter. Um. However, is it is it a big deal to run them? Yes, it is very difficult. Um. And I would suggest that uh, novice DMs maybe uh do one of two things and that is um if you feel comfortable with it and you have a, a bunch of experienced players have the players run the rivals. I was just going to ask if that would be a recommendation. I, I would say um, if you don't mind showing them their stats, even you can have them run them in combat. Um, knowing a character's stats, and especially because if your characters start off as friends and then split later, the rivals go through two evolutions before the end of the game. Knowing what somebody was like in junior high does not mean you know who they are in college. And that's how big the stat changes are. You're like, oh, Dermot, you got a machine gun between chapters <laughs> oh i hope that's Dermot true. has like an eye patch right? and a bandana amazing i want that now kelly i want that and he's got stilts so now he's taller than dorlin <laughs> platform shoes. Oh, on a quick sidebar of yeah. height uh i looked up how big more bounders get yeah how <laughs> and big? they are six foot tall at the shoulder holy they are 14 feet long <laughs> So, uh, so I, I did, I did say that he's an adolescent Moorbounder. So I think he's probably about four foot at the shoulder. So still bigger than Sabina by about a head, but I think it's great. 
Um, it's anyway. <laughs> in terms of running the the NPCs and the rivals as part of the party, um, or having them in the same conflict, it does complicate things. It also um, it also does kind of risk violating my policy of the NPCs shouldn't get the kill unless it's 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 plot relevant. Um, if you're running as the the dice fall as they may, disregard that. Um, everybody has a different style, but having 11 fighters in a fight where it's like, ah, oh, yes, there are, there are some, there are some random encounters in chapter two where it's like, you're up against like 10 people. And I'm like, they're still outnumbered. <laughs> like <laughs> they're still outnumbered. I know. Do I double that? Do I, do I do what? And then you look at some of the things like Gal Galsariad has some pretty bodacious spells. Like even at, even at first level, Io's harpoon is 2d8 plus 2 piercing. What? Jesus. Yeah. What? Very nice. Galsariad's drain potential is 3d10 of necrotic damage, and he absorbs five hit points of that temporarily. Um, what? And he yeah, can that seems real beefy. He can just do it. It's not a spell. It's not. Oh, it's, just, it's considered an action. Uh, he has distort, distort gravity. Like, he can... He can like just compress people, and he's got a, a recharge gravity wave. That uh, is so cool. Dermot has spell casting, <laughs> but he also has a range attack called Searing Wrath that just does radiant damage. Um, Irvin has daggers, but my favorite part about Irvin is that uh, if he's reduced to zero hit points, he uses skeleton rules. <laughs> like, as in he's just that plucky that if you knock him to zero he d makes a roll like like a skeleton to see if he get or a zombie get to see if he gets back down, up but i get up again <laughs> so um he makes a con save equal to five plus damage taken if he succeeds he drops to one hit point instead uh oh and gosh. maggie uh any if maggie is within 30 feet oh i forgot to use this with you guys because you guys are allies um if Maggie and allies within 30 feet of her have advantage, pardon me, they all, everybody within 30 feet has advantage on initiative. As long as she's not incapacitated because she's like, they're here. <laughs> because she's got perception out the wazoo. That's um, awesome. But then like her hammer toss is 2d4 plus four. Um, her giant maul is 2d8 plus four and she moves people. Like they're That's beefy. insane. So, like, some of the challenges yeah. that y'all are facing, like, I can only have you guys rush into the fight and go, Chi -chi -chi, and then have, like, all oh, the rivals show up at the end to help so many times. So, I, I'll, I'm going to be inventive with it in the future, where, like, they're going to get into trouble and you'll have to save them type of things. I think that that's more fair. I do think, it's, uh, I, I do think that uh, them specifically... Um being able to like keep pace with the PCs or um, sometimes surpass them is appropriate in this uh, mm -hmm. campaign. Cause like they are supposed to be rivals, right? Uh, at least as initially um, uh, presented, like we could have come across them fighting it. Absolutely. Um, and so I, I, I do think it's, it's interesting playing. I, I actually really am enjoying it. I know it's a lot more work on, uh, on you, but uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying having this, like, uh, mm -hmm. this banter with so many set NPCs who are hopefully we're encountering, like, for in, in all the sessions to come and having this time, like, with them to travel with them. It's been, um, it's been great. I, I love it. It's, it's good. It's just running, running you guys as a singular party is like, um, uh, 
uh, a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, yeah. One, it'll be. It's like it, it also like, unfortunately, like it'll the concerns of it bogging down initiative too. Like fights will be a little bit longer when we have double the amount of uh, combatants that can do that. That multiple said, things. Just what you can do as a DM if you're running them and they're part of your party or they're there and you want to speed up combat. Look at their stats. Look at what they can do. Assume that you are rolling a 10 on any attack roll. If a 10 plus their attack would hit, apply the average damage that's listed. Just do it. Just narrate it. Don't roll the dice. Um, if you're like, obviously, if you want to do the dice, do the dice. But if you're just trying to get through a ton of NPCs, write them down on index cards and be like, okay, cool. That's that. So just compare, contrast. All right. Uh, Irvin like runs up and stabs him with a dagger for four points of damage uh bah, and then you know like that like focus on the players and their contributions that's my that's my big takeaway um we Smart. right it just speed through things if like do unnecessary things and or don't do unnecessary things and average damage exists so average attack rolls should theoretically exist if they, you they give you those numbers in the book for a reason exactly uh, i also mm. love that in the middle of this they also give you uh battle banter like that's the example quotes like io have you had enough yeah just give up you're finished okay team we're off balance rally or that was quite a blunder you're lucky oh I'm my feeling god merciful if if someone oh was god, real if Bites. someone was real uh go-getter they would make a little soundboard that would be a random fight <laughs> fight statement for each fight smarter yes. and harder <laughs> hold on i gotta do galsaria because i gotta do my snidely whiplash voice one sec oh God. <laughs> hold on hold on hold on <clears throat> you have much to learn and here i thought you possessed some talent and with this next incantation i shall pluck any hope of victory from your mind that's a long one <laughs> that's a long one yeah. <laughs> that was a good hit wasn't it come on lies on me can i have this dance no like they're really they're cute i like them. i like them. very good you like them. i like them. you can tell which characters i like this was dermot's io maggie i could, could use some help here oh, oh, see little, little goblin tank all right so uh we got a couple more questions to go through um uh, before we wrap so um uh, so there's a book about what talk. So the book talks about what if the players don't take the test or, or the quest, or the rivals get the vision instead. Do you feel the book does enough to? This is from Matt Brittle. Uh, does enough to encourage player buy-in on the main plot, or have you had to create additional plot hooks and other items to connect the players to the main plot? I'm going to open this up to you in just one sec, but um, I personally think that it's really interesting. I think that there aren't quite enough plot hooks if the rivals get the gem. To follow it because then a lot of players would be like oh well they won rather than like oh they stole it from us unless that was set up in advance i think you'd have to do the legwork to make more antagonism there um but as for um do you think there are enough like things to bring them back toward the call of adventure absolutely not i think that that is the one failing of chapter one is that the the whole this, this book is completely based on the idea that the characters are going to follow the plot and while 
anybody who goes into an adventure path should probably go in with the mindset to lean into the plot at least a bit. Not there are there are so many people who are running modules whose players are like, yeah, I just wanted to play a game. I don't actually care about this plot. I want to play Wildbound the Witchlight, but I don't don't want to go to the Feywild. I want to play Curse of Strahd, but I want to not go to Ravenloft. And you're like, what? Why do you want to play this game? It's, well, because sometimes you just want to play a game. So you need to convincing. Uh, but the problem is the refusing the call to adventure section is this sidebar right here. <laughs> that is the entire portion. And if you're watching or if you're listening on podcast or can't see the screen right now, it is one long paragraph and that's all. It's like uh, six lines. And it says... Like three sentences. If they don't want to go to Bazazan, you'll need to create side encounters in Zora, in, uh, in Joras that will guide them in that direction. The characters can find guards as caravan... Oh, pardon me. Can find jobs as caravan guards, mercenaries, or bounty hunters. Uh, use the encounters table to determine how they are challenged. Literally all they're saying in that section is if the characters don't want to go, make them go anyway and skip them into chapter two. But they're trying to obscure that that's all they're saying by saying, oh, you'll mm-hmm. need to come up with stuff on your own. So what I'm going to be doing in the next couple of weeks is I am going to be writing a little module for Drive Through RPG or DMs Guild that is called Another Deep Refusing the Call. And it's going to be about 10 pages on things that you can run to get them back on the damn plot. So oh, please buy it when it comes I- out. That quote I just sent, um, refusal of the call is a trope that's normally followed by the trope, the call knows where you live and you can't fight fate. <laughs> <laughs> or what, the end part of that that you oh, sent? Yeah. The call is trying to contact you about your destiny's extended warranty. <laughs> there we go. All right, I'll put that in the book. Um, there you go. So, but what do you all think? So, did you feel enough buy-in? And if you got, if the rivals got the gem, what the hell would you have done? Let's go around and talk about that. So I only felt enough buy-in because we got the gem. Because the whole vision was the prophecy, the chosen ones uh, kind of thing. And we were the ones that saw it. And then they only heard kind of mummered whatevers. So I was like, well, obviously then they weren't the chosen ones. But if they had gotten it and they had gotten the vision, then they would have been the chosen ones. And, you know, Mm. too bad, so sad for us. It's Unless they were like, hey, come with us. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So if, if they if they did the reverse of what we did, basically, like they got this stuff and they're like, "Hey, you helped fight the shark. Here, take half of this gold." Also, we heard something weird about this gem because we would have been concerned if they all passed out. Like we would have probably tried mm-hmm. to bring them back, like they did mm-hmm. for us. So, you know, it's... for I think you bringing us out with the rivals. I don't know if that was in the book or not. No. Um, so so here's what happens. Uh, friendlier and different rivals. The characters awaken find the rivals trying to rouse them. They didn't see the vision. The rivals sense the energy. Uh, if they retrieved the emerald eye, they concede their competition to you. Otherwise, they proudly hold up the amulet, claiming that it was theirs, but congratulate you on a race well won. Uh, if they're hostile, they have ran away with both things. If they're... So that is a really good one. Um... So, and then if Io or another one of the rivals touch the, the jewel before the players, they receive the vision instead. If the rivals, they fall unconscious for one minute, and it's up to the characters to decide what to do with them. In this scenario, which is examined in two, the rivals are the heroes of the story, and the characters must decide to aid them or try to take back and claim the destiny for themselves. Now, Oof. right? That's a rough one. Yeah, I, I think that uh, uh, it might be uh, an important... if. 
because like we were just talking about uh, the players being the protagonists of the story earlier and uh, i think that um if that's uh in, depending on your group it might be a very good idea to have a conversation with them um of being like hey you might not be the protagonists of the story like uh, um and going along with uh some advice on how to make that run if that happens but i i think making sure that uh, they're okay with that might be a good idea because uh, I, I do think a lot of uh, people do play because they want to be part of a like group protagonist for the story so it can be uh i, I can see that huh, wow <laughs> yeah right I can see that being um, i i think really that's difficult. a huge flaw like i think yeah. that is a poor decision choice um mm. i i feel like it is very much expecting your and, and and this is a big problem with like i mean well i don't know if it's a really problem but it's a problem that people have been calling out since the inception of critical role of everyone expects their table to be the players in critical role and this module kind of expects that and it I, expects you to follow what mm, would be best for the story rather than what which, is more fun for you playing in that exact moment yeah, yeah. So yeah. here, here's a twist. I'm gonna run the. I'm gonna run this for you right now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna read this bit for you, and I want you to give me your blunt reaction of what you think you would do as a player in character. Okay. <clears throat> if the rivals acquire, as, the, just, as the characters we're currently as playing, the, you're, you're playing, but or okay. or or meta. Like I want your honest gut reaction to this. Okay. So this is the flip. If the rivals acquire the jewel of three prayers and experience the vision, they are the ones approached by Elder Ushru in the morning. And they are the ones who are encouraged to travel to Bazazan. In this case, read the following to the players. <clears throat> You're eating breakfast at the unbroken tusk while locals chat around you. Through the cacophony, one voice catches your attention. Well, rumor has it they're going to, uh, I think it's Ro Rosana? Roshana? To sell it. Uh, Elder Ushu met with him this morning and, well, he was whispering while pointing at this huge shiny amulet on the table. He was talking about destiny and other heroic-like words. I think they were the group who won the grand finale yesterday. The amulet looked pretty magical, even if it isn't. I think it'd be worth a fortune. Yeah, I hear they're traveling down the Emerald Loop now. Would that be enough to get you to chase them? To know that they're just going to try to pawn it? <sighs> also, that doesn't feel right for the characters to do, but I like I the rumor that they're like, oh yeah, they're just going to yeah. sell it and make a fortune. Mm -hmm. I bet the thing's worth like 10,000 gold pieces. Me, as a player sees that as a this is what you're supposed to do and as a responsible player would follow that line yes but yeah. as in okay. character yeah you would i would definitely read that as okay um oh maybe we were so close maybe we should go i mean the breadcrumbs smell of dough still like they're so fresh yeah like, oh yeah. they're literally yeah. going here let me just mark this on the path of anyone eavesdropping's map yeah <laughs> <laughs> do 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 but Kayla, Kayla and Chris what do you think would that be enough well as a player I'd be like okay obviously we're supposed to go follow them I'll make up some reason for my character to no. want to go follow them but as a character she would be like oh wow that's kind of a shitty thing to do but like if they got it fair and square whatever so it was yeah, theirs to do with what they wanted I have an I have an idea for a twist so Chris you, you agree with that right okay yeah for the most part yeah it's it's very much like uh like as a player, like just try and think, okay, maybe we're supposed to go off and do this thing instead. Though I've also had some people being like, oh, well, sh shit, like I got to now prepare this because you guys are going off tilt by following random little rumors and stuff like mm. that before. Um, 
In fact, I'm currently going through that with one game that I'm in right now where somebody's just like, you weren't supposed to go after that. And I'm like, why is it there then? That's cool. That's like... like... Are you, what was this? Is this in uh, Storm, Storm King's Thunder? Yeah. Yeah. Listen to oh, Christine's rant about the that. Boat? <laughs> is, it the, is it the boat? Oh, no. Uh, the the uh, giant freaking robot. Oh yeah, I don't, even, I don't think we even got well, that. Well, 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 like, we didn't there. even like get into the heart of the story, and it's just like there's a giant freaking robot, like that the giants <laughs> used that that they're trying to get. We need to stop this, and there's like no, this isn't the plot, and it's like wait, this isn't like right. anyway, a lot of modules anyway. have those kind of like hooks and there's Okay, so I have a trick for fixing this for you, and I'm pretty sure it's going to work on all of you right now. Watch this, and it's called inject a little Star Wars. <clears throat> Yeah, rumor has it they're going to to Rosona to sell it. Aldrusher met with them in the morning, kept whispering all these destiny sounding words, you know, like big heroic stuff. But I gotta look at it. And I wasn't the only one. Things worth thousands of gold pieces. The Cryon conspiracy's probably already heard about it. If they're heading to Rosana, they're not gonna make it there alive. But you didn't hear it from me. I just want a piece of the action if you manage to get there first. I know how you mercenaries and bounty hunters are. Or something like that. Like, make it so that there's ticking clock on them dying and losing mm -hmm. it. Even if you hate them, they're going to die and lose it. One of those things you <laughs> yeah. should care about. Because that's if, yeah. if, if your rivals have it and you hate them, that sucks. But if your rivals get murdered and you still don't get the thing that should have been yours then... <clears throat> Sorry, that just feels like a very Star Wars that, twist. Well, and that gives you a lot of, like, because the first one, it's like, okay, your option really is to follow them, mm -hmm. right? Whereas this, or go to them and say, hey, we'd love to support you in going if you decide, if you are, I think that's what we would do with the initial one, right? Mm -hmm. is I think say, so, yeah. Well, let's go help them out, basically, because they haven't been total dicks to us and maggie's great um but i think if we if it is a matter of like oh well they hate us but we know people are out to get them hmm. hey guys if you split that with us we'll come be your bodyguards and between the 10 of us we should be able to keep this thing safe so what's your lives worth to you hmm. I, so I even like if that you're playing better. that right like there's there's a lot of avenues yeah, and if you let them set off in advance, um, the one thing, if you use that, make sure that the person being talked to that you overhear is not the only person who knows. You definitely want to say like, yeah, the Thieves Guild's already heard about it too. Yeah. So that it's like, oh, there's an amorphous threat that you, can, you can't, the players can't stop it from happening, but they can prevent it from finishing. Like, like it's already, so long, you can't do it so that like they can stop the entire machine. Like, the attempts are going to be made. You can be there to stop those attempts. You you want there to be conflict always, but like, Zarya, would that be interesting to you? Um, or would that be interesting I to Zarya, mean, Caitlin? Would that? Oh, yeah. Or at least so more interesting. Caitlin would definitely do that. Yeah. Um, Zarya would if if she she'd be like, ah, oh, damn. Be. Now I've heard it. Now I know that they're going to die. Now I have to go try to help them. Kind of. There thing. will be blood. <laughs> there's that too right <laughs> there's blood there free blood free blood blood for the blood god yeah blood, blood, blood <laughs> is i make for the... my own blood <laughs> yeah if if you don't make your own blood store bot is fine <laughs> uh and then the last thing in this chapter that they do that we didn't have to do is i oh, probably they do it at the beginning of chapter two um it's warring destiny so if you won 
uh, if you made rivals, uh, the rivals your enemies, um, by insulting or killing one of their party members, which is ridiculous, um, one of the rivals will steal this from you while you're sleeping. Which actually is a pretty good plot hook, too, because they steal it and try to go off with it. Um, and yeah, usually, very. yeah, right? So either um, they, so likely the thief is Irvin, who sees the ghoul, the, the, the ghoul, uh, the, um, the mystical item as a treasure. Uh, it could be Galsal, Galsariad, I don't, I hate your name. Uh, and, uh, if one of you killed, uh, one of their people, Io would steal it because Io is loyal as hell. Um, uh, the attempted outcome has like a few options, uh, and you can question the thief, um, and, and so on. That's a little better, right? So, um, it's a little better. It's not great. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's kind of, it's a little bit of a weak hook if the players don't want to do it. So Chris mentioned this earlier. I think we've we mentioned it constantly throughout. But talk to your players. Make sure they're geared up and tell them in advance. Um, it's not a spoiler to say build characters that would go on an adventure if it was presented to them. You know? Um, yeah, 100%. I, I, honestly, you're playing D&D. You should play characters who would go on an adventure. Well, and I'm... There's a, a game that I'm picking up and and we've been talking about like i was building this character i was like yeah this is kind of my character idea and she's pretty flitty and she's whatever um and our storyteller was like make sure she wants something like your character needs to have a drive yeah. otherwise she's not going to do all these things and i was like that's yeah it is and and i you know say oh well these are her drives and whatever so she does have wants but it have those conversations with your players if you're concerned about it all right let's let's blow through this real quick uh heard uh from nicholas a uh, nicholas art heard uh, a tip from that i heard which should keep the relationships more manageable is note how the rivals feel about the pcs um writ large and an exception or two example maggie likes the party but can't stand pcx i was neutral to the party but may be developing a crush on pcy absolutely um i i don't want to i don't want to say anything i i don't know if that's even a tip but I, I, that would seems very natural to me. Uh, but it is a bit of advice that I absolutely encourage is that nobody... I think you, I think you as a writer know to keep that in mind. But I think the average person wouldn't. Everybody... Mm -hmm. um, so uh, this is a tip from games that are not Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, but in Vampire the Masquerade, they have something called a coterie chart. And what they suggest in the new edition of Vampire the Masquerade is that you write a character's name. So say you have like three characters, you write a name, 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 and then you have arrows connecting the other, which is how this person feels about this person and this person feels about this one, uh, including any secrets that they might have or information on that. Do a quick one if, if you are visual and like that kind of thing, and don't just retain that knowledge. Like I, as, as a writer, I've got it in my head constantly like, oh, Maggie thinks that Dorlin is cute, but would rather have a conversation with Sabina if given the option because they're more on the same wavelength. It's not that she doesn't like, you know, but and maybe Maggie's a little afraid of Zarya because of the blood thing, right? Like you could I, have- I think, I, I think the point was more, um, and maybe this is just what I read for it. Maybe I'm uh, right, maybe it, wrong, well, Helping to um, um, organize all of the thoughts and the different relationships in writing was to be like okay they like they like the party except for this person oh so, so singling like 
Okay. So like, yeah, like, and, but kind of like, this is the general, this is the exception and using that as a way okay. to organize. Yeah, no, actually, I, no, I think, you know, you're, you're right. I think I read that wrong. So sorry, Nicholas. Um, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, so absolutely. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, one thing, uh, use, I'm going to hold up green, but post-its, which wow, you can, you can see from the back, um, use, use, um, index cards and post-its if you have to in your DMing, it will save your life. Uh, especially if you have a big space or table that you can put them on. Cards are really helpful um, because you can really, really work with your players and have like them obviously visible so that people can have access to information, or you can if you forget. Um, let's see. Um, let's see. How do you make the NPCs memorable even in one scene? I mean, that's a really big one. Uh, that's from Kiyama, but that's a really big one. We'll talk about that more in How to DM uh, during uh, Dork Kills Expo, which is a yeah. convention we're running at the end of the month. Tons of great stuff. We're finishing up putting our panels in, so we, ha we should have a schedule out in the next week or so. Um, it's free. It's by hopefully by donation, so it, it, donations encouraged to help make the channel better. Uh, but it's absolutely free because we try to make as much of our content free as possible. Um, but honestly, how to make them likable, have them do things the characters like. Um, borrow traits from fictional characters that your players like is a good one too. If they like Indiana have Jones. Have them like the characters. Yeah, there's nothing like one of the best tricks to having someone like you is to like them first. People like to be liked. Um, and then um, there's a discussion about, yeah, refusing the call is a big one. Um, and then there's a last one that was on our Discord from someone named Kami who said, well, we're going to run it later this year, and I'm thinking about replacing the rivals with other characters. Not that I don't like them, I just want to try mirroring the party a bit more. Uh, for example, like basically just trying to have matches. Um, I think that's a good idea. If um, if you come up with something that is better than what is written in a module, use your stuff. Modules are modules are out of the box meals. They're not home cooking. So add an egg to your ramen. Add an egg to your ramen. Right. Thank you so much, Chris. I was trying to think of like add pepper to your craft dinner. I don't know if Americans know what craft dinner is because I didn't when I moved up here. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> Craft like, mac and cheese. Is it a yeah? It's mac and it's mac and cheese. What are you guys talking about? Is it? It's not a full dinner. What do you mean? That's all you guys eat. If you do two boxes, it is. God, it's two boxes at dinner. Two. Boxes. I love how I'm. I'm the. I am a apparently a small family of four, according to the the package <laughs> oh, size. Oh, I definitely am. Yes. <laughs> how small is this family of four? Dorlin sized. On, all right. Hey, on some on some packets of soup. Me too. Truly. I feel like Dorlin eats a lot, though. Dorlin does eat a lot. Oh. That was proven. And then he dies. <laughs> a lot, too. Okay. Three botches in a row. Three botches in a row. Okay, so, folks, um, I think that's what we have the time for today. So I hope that helped with Chapter 1. We're going to do another big one of these on Chapter 2, which is going to be way more in-depth because Chapter 2 is where things get sticky. Uh, it's all the way going like from the Call to Adventure to Bazazan. And I think that that's going to be really, really crucial. So please leave your comments for our questions for chapter two uh, in the comments below. Uh, hop on our Discord. It's free. Do it. Um, and uh, I'll also do a community post to ask people for more stuff. Thank you to everybody who put stuff. Um, I don't know if I thanked everybody specifically by name, uh, but also thanks to Matt B. Drop some stuff. Uh, and it's just been it's been fantastic running this game for you. I've had a lot of fun. I hope you I hope you all have. Who I, I don't see a name on it, but who gave me all these amazing timestamps for clips? Uh, so that was someone in episode one. So if you check the the credits for episode one, 
their I'll name will be them. down there. Let's do a shout out because this person left like 30 something, maybe 40 uh, timestamps of their favorite moments of the episode. And when we're doing oh like clip gosh. shows, like leave those in the comments, please, because that makes our lives like when we're trying to make promo for this uh, so much easier because we're always trying to make Dork Tales grow. This is um, this this is my entire livelihood. Uh, and we're trying to make it so that this can be the livelihood of, uh, of us as we bring more and more content out. So, um, and if you want to help with that, be sure to head to patreon.com slash dorktales, uh, where you can support the channel directly, get advanced stuff. They're all getting this episode, uh, three days before it airs. Uh, they're getting behind the scenes podcasts from people, uh, and a bunch of other great stuff. Um, I also need to thank some of my patrons there real quick before we wrap. Uh, that is my divine producer, DM Michael Gray, my demonic producer, Soul Omen and Precarious, and my princess of the Patreon, Taryn, Buddy, Cubby Gummy, Eolus, and, uh, Trisalta, you know, who are all amazing people. Um, and, uh, so th the person who left all of the comments there is, uh, Whovian, Eva uh, remarks, Whovian, Whovian Eva remarks. Uh, thank you. That was awesome. If you want to keep doing that for future episodes, like, please, like, yeah, please God, please. Yes. I'll name a character after you. I'll have an NPC yeah. named after you. Eva, Eva, 100%. that's gone. Or Whovian. It'll, be, it'll be Whovian. They'll pick Whovian. Whovian. You know. I'll, I'll be I'll name a character Ruby and I don't care but um if you, if you watch this episode like let, let me know and I will be happy yes. to do that um yeah so I hope this was helpful with um with chapter one uh for all you new dms who are trying to do this or critters who are trying to get into running role-playing games for the first time and I've only really experienced D&D secondhand breathe deep take a lot of notes you've got this and um if your players You don't have to be Matt Mercer to tell a wonderful story and the world that he and his players created. You just have to be you. And that's the best part, because that means it's going to be your world, not just critical roles. And that's a pretty damn good gift to give your players. So be, be kind to yourself. And, and if they fight you on it, send them to our Discord. We will fight them. <laughs> yeah. Or send them to a con in the Pacific Northwest. We will literally fight them. Exactly. We'll throw hands. Oh, Kate, Caitlin yeah. will throw hands. I will. Don't fight. Don't try me. You, you think Caitlin's the nice try one? Me. Caitlin has a back, a black belt. She, in she it. won't fight you. She'll just sneak up on you in an alley with a sharp instrument. <laughs> Some people call that a fight. <laughs> Other people Not call it justice. Good. <laughs> blood for the blood god all right uh folks that's gonna be it for us for this episode thank you so much for tuning in to uh how to run chapter one we love you very much and we will see you uh we're on vacation we'll be back on the 26th with uh episode four episode four uh, yeah uh, and if you guys are gonna be at sacracon in seattle um come find me i'm gonna be at the Sakinacon table in the dealer's hall nice that'll be nice. fantastic and uh you can definitely pick up some dork tales like business cards and stuff there It'll be fun. Also, maybe some merch. Well, you know what? I'll, I might Krista, be dressed as Sabina there. <laughs> Krista, I will. Yeah, go find Sabina. Take your photo with Sabina. Uh, if you find Sabina and say that you um, are from like watching Dork Tales, I'm going to send Krista some some Dork Tales merch to give you. It's going to be tiny, but it'll be like pins and stickers and stuff. Because They're very I, cute. They're very cute. They're very cute. Um, so go do that and find us in our Discord. All right. So with that, we love you very much and we will see you next time. Goodbye, dorks. Bye. Have a good night. Call of the Netherdeep is a Dork Tales production. It stars Chris Blogg as Dorlan Wildrock, Robin Holford as Keiko Scar, Krista Mitchell as Sabina Morden, and Caitlin Vinkel as Zaria Rain. Its dungeon master is Kelly Clark. 
For a full list of music used in this episode, please check the show notes below. This episode also used music and sound effects from TabletopAudio.com. Tabletop Audio is one of the best resources that a role player can have. It has ambient sound effects, 10-minute loops, and plenty of things to bring additional ambience to your role-playing experience. We're not sponsored by them, we just love them. Go visit them today and support them if you can. If you like what we do here, you can help us grow by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dorktales. Speaking of which, I'd like to take a minute to thank all of our patrons at patreon.com slash dorktales. Starting with our Patreon producers. Our divine producer, DM Michael Gray, the great and powerful. Our demonic producers, Jade the Maker of Monsters and Bracarius, our fun but evil Funkle. We love you, Uncle Marty. Our princes of the Patreon, Taryn, the original Dorktales fangirl, Dustin, our time-traveling buddy from 1977, Trizelta, a.k.a. James Bododge, Eolus the Forever Cleric, Cubby Gummy, and Amberthist. Great to have you on board. Our level 20 heroes, Jan Clark, who's my, my mom, Bob Kessler, who's along for the ride, and Michael Eilat, the graphics guy. Our level 10 heroes, Nacro, the Straw Hat Devil, George Sibley, Snowy323, Hans H. Boundahoof, Professor Multiverse, Robert29, and Adam Baum. Our very important patrons, who donate five or more dollars per month, an actual guinea pig, Dale Cope, the eternal student of life, Camille, who may be six possums in a trench coat, Evan, longtime listener, first-time patron, Mike Baxter, first of his name, Jason Tudor, the mayor of Icewind Dale, Krista Mitchell, the CGFX engine, Rio, but without the OZ, United Adventure Company, Robin Holford, the wine master, SM Pace, Hillary, Colin Son, Matt DS, Eric and Amber, Moth Vibes D, Chandra Magic, The Traveler, Radical Hair, Evil, Doctor Who 4189, Tommy Kiyama Svensson, Kara Rett, Red Monk, Stormshanks, Jacob, Joe Abad, Arachnikonikoni, and Random Equinox. And our Dork Squad, Jen Peters, Caitlin, Ba Tran, Willem and Isolde, Just Andy, EJ, Ashley Johnson, an Insomniac Veterinarian, Stevo's Gaming Dungeon, Creox, Daniel, Brent, CTRSTY, Hayliz, Chris Blog, Patrick, Zach Rules, and Ace Emmett. If you'd like to hear your name at the end of these episodes and get access to exclusive perks, feel free to join us on patreon.com slash dorktales. Dorktales survives on the generosity of our patrons, and I can't express how grateful I am to each and every one of you for your support. Thank you so much, and thanks to you for listening. If you want to reach out, you can find us on the Dorktales Discord. We hope you join us, and we'll see you in the next episode.